Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Crossroads, good to be with you today. Uh, We are smack dab uh, in the middle of a series called Course Corrections. And we're looking at some of the issues that hit the early church. Uh, issues where um, they lost, got off course, lost track, and there need to be some corrections. And the great news is this, is that God always offers course corrections, not only in the church, but in our lives as well. Uh, I heard a story, uh, four pastors were getting together, always at the same coffee shop, you know, just to sort of shoot the breeze, talk shop, those kind of things. Uh, one pastor said, you know, there's some stuff that I'm dealing with and I'm struggling with, and I'm wondering, could like, we turn this circle of the four of us into an accountability group? So a little discussion happened, and uh, they agreed this would be our new accountability group. So that pastor started, and he said, you know, I have just really, this is something that's been going on lately, I've just been drinking too much alcohol, and I need some accountability in that area. So he opened up, talked more about that, and another pastor then opened up. And he said, all my words, he says, you know, with this whole new piece, you know, this availability of online betting, uh, I have got myself in a bad place. I feel like I have an addiction problem. There's something that needs to change. And I would appreciate your help and accountability on that. Well, then the third pastor opens up and he says, like, you know, all, all my life, as, as long as I can remember, I have always struggled with lust. Uh, Pornography has been an issue here or there, but it's something I've always struggled with. So conversation sort of all of a sudden comes to an end. Everybody's looking at the fourth pastor. He looks like white as a ghost. He, he's not saying anything. And, and these three other pastors are like, oh my word, is he so offended by our, our sin, by what we've opened up and been real with him that he won't even share, you know, what's happening in his own life? Pastor continues to say nothing. Eventually, he just sort of pushes himself back from the coffee table. He packs up his stuff, throws his backpack on his arm, and as he begins to walk away, he says, brothers, if you would just pray with me. I I am just like a consummate, like, gossip, and like, I wrestle so badly with slander. And with that, he walks out the door. So today we're going to talk about gossip. We're going to talk about slander. And and, man, these were issues in the early church. Uh, These were issues way before Jesus walked the earth. And they've been issues over the past 2,000 years. And are they even still issues today? Well, let's do it like this. It'll be a bit of an all skate. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Or if you're online, put something in chat. Raise your hand if you've never... If you've never experienced gossip or slander, like you've never been the person to say something that was gossip or slander, or you've never heard somebody else say something that was gossip or slander, just raise your hand if you've never experienced that. Just put something in chat. Okay, well, there's like no hands going up here, right? And it's because we understand gossip and slander continues to be a problem. But the great news is what? Jesus continues to offer course corrections. Jesus continues to offer a fresh start. And see, we really can't laugh all that much about gossip or slander, can we? Because we understand the pain that it causes, the harm that it causes, relationships that have been broken. Man, if if you've been like the one that's been gossiped about or slandered about, I mean, that can impact your self-esteem. Uh, There are people that deal with suicidal thoughts because somebody else is gossiping or slandering a 
about them. It can cause this huge amount of anxiety. And if gossip or slander happens in your workplace, what are the results? Trust just goes like down the drain. And people are anxious, wondering what's really going on and what's true and what's not true. And just the list of the impact and the devastating things that can happen because of gossip and slander. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But there's another reason, if you're a Jesus follower, there's another reason why you simply can't laugh at gossip and you simply can't make a joke about slander and just sort of brush it off and move on your way. Because God takes gossip and slander incredibly seriously. It's not just like a verse or two. I mean, you just like do a deep dive into all the scripture that talks about gossip and slander, and you got like a huge list. In Romans chapter 1, we get to this place where the Apostle Paul is working through, and he's talking about, you know, God's just detest, God's hate of sin, and just the horrible consequences of sin. And you get to verse 29, and... He makes this list. He begins to say, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Then you go down to verse 32. They know. We know, right? We know that God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. That's bad. Worse news? Worse yet. They encourage others to do them too. We look at this and we understand, you know, pretty clearly, you know, what God would have to say about gossip or slander. But also often we just sort of give, you know, gossip and slander a wink, a Side eye, we just sort of laugh, we, we, we just seem to move on from it, we sort of excuse it or justify it. But God doesn't. God doesn't excuse it, God doesn't justify it, God doesn't give a pass to gossip or to slander. His justice will not, His justice cannot overlook the sins of gossip and of slander. But why is it? Why is it that we so often just sort of minimize those sins? Why is it that we so often just sort of turn that blind eye? I mean, come on, look at, look at the list here again, right? Every kind of witness sin. If you knew that somebody was going to murder someone else, you'd probably try to intervene, wouldn't you? If you knew that somebody was quarreling, you might have enough courage to try and get involved and stop the quarreling. But when gossip comes your way or when slander comes your way, we end up just being enablers because we let it go on. We might not be the ones doing the gossiping. We might not be the ones speaking the slander, but we're the ones that are enabling it because we provide that listening ear without any hint of a course correction, without any hint of calling someone out for the sin that they are in. We barely do anything to bring it to a stop. 
Part of the reason for that is we often don't have clarity on what gossip or what slander is. We often forget about the devastating consequences that it causes. I mean, it's a pretty fine line, isn't it? Does anybody else struggle with this? When is someone simply sharing information? And when does it cross over into gossip? How about this one? When is somebody simply sharing a prayer request? And when does it cross the line into slander or into gossip? I mean, we struggle with these lines. I certainly do. Some of you have been on the other side of this with me. Like, you know, you, you've shared a prayer request or, you, or you've called the church office and you're like, oh, we'd like this to go out to the entire church family. But it's the, the prayer request isn't about you or your immediate family. And so, you know, we have to do this. Do you have permission? We understand. We, we would love the entire church to be praying for this. But do you have permission? Because we so don't want to cross that line into enabling gossip or slander. Another reason that we often just sort of don't know where these lines are and how to figure out what's just information or what's our prayer request or what's gossip and slanders, we don't have clear definitions. So let's look at a couple of different definitions of gossip. You probably, you know, heard, well, he's a gossip or she's a gossip. What, what's somebody saying whenever they use those terms? A gossip is a, per, a person who habitually reveals personal or sensational facts about others. When we look at a more of a biblical definition of a gossip, when we look at the Greek word for gossip, it's someone who is a whisperer or someone that is secretly or openly slandering. And there's always this close connection between gossip and slander throughout Scripture. So that's a little bit of what a gossip is. But what is gossip? What, what is gossip? Gossip is casual or unconstrained. This is like Webster, right? Gossip is casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people. At times involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Uh, it is idle talk or rumor about the personal or private affairs of others. Simply gossip is what? It's me. I'm person A. And I have information about person B, or I have concerns about person B. I don't go to talk to person B. Instead, I go to person C, and I tell them the information or express my concerns to them. It's really that simple. That's gossip and slander. Slander is false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. Right? I'm person A. If I go to person C and I say anything to person C that makes you think less of person B, the person I'm talking about, clearly I have slandered. It really is that simple. But yet it continues to be a problem for so many. So to gossip or to slander. To gossip or to slander, if we're saying that something is going to lower that person's opinion of the person you are talking about or is going to prejudice them against that person, you are gossiping and slandering. And gossiping and slandering is dishonoring, it's discrediting, or it's harming someone's reputation. And that's why God takes this so seriously. That's why God's justice can not overlook this. So do you get an idea? It's, it's the bad stuff. If I am person A, and you know, I, I go to person C 
Mike. And I'm like, Mike, I, I just want to tell you. Uh, I want to tell you that uh, Rodney is such a strong leader. And I am so thankful to have him on our leadership team, on our church board. Have I gossiped or slandered? No, because I've done nothing to tear Rodney down. I've only built him up. I'm sharing good news about him. But if I say, Mike, I don't know if you know this or not, but man, Rodney's work, it's like been going gangbusters. He's like working all tons of hours. And did you see that secretary that he hired recently? I mean, she is cute, and she's working late hours, too. Now, I'm not saying anything's going on, but I really think we should be praying for our brother Rodney. Now, have I gossiped or slandered? Absolutely. If I went straight to Rodney and had a conversation with Rodney about those exact same things, I went straight from A to B, no gossip, no slander. Healthy communication. That is what gossiping and slandering is all about. And those are the lines we don't want to cross. And I know it is tough. Man, I know that we have all been guilty of crossing those lines at times. That's why we all are offered grace and forgiveness from God whenever we seek and we repent. And he offers us course corrections again and again and again. And if you've ever been person B, in other words, you're not the person talking about you, you're not the person that somebody is talking to about you, but you're the person that's being talked about. If you've ever ex- experienced that, somebody's gossiping about you or slandering you, you have to ask the question, why? Why are they doing this? Why, why are they harming me? Why do they so want to destroy my reputation? What have I done? Those are natural questions to ask. I want us to go and look at the early church, and we're going to look at the church of Corinth. And things are not healthy completely in this church. This isn't our summer series on Philippians where everybody's happy and joyful. There are some major course corrections that need to happen, and we're not going to get into all the details, but I I want you to see Paul's concern for the local church in Corinth. I want you to see Paul's concern for the followers of Jesus that attend the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, see if you can figure out a little bit of these things that are going on. See if you can even notice the tension. Maybe you've read this passage again and again, but you've never noticed the tension in Paul's words. He says, Now I'm coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. Now I don't want what you have. I want you. After all, children don't provide for their parents, where their parents provide for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you. Even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Continues on. Some of you, some of you admit I was not a burden to you, but others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. But how? Did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? And then drop down to verse 19. Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. What's Paul doing here? Paul's doing damage control, right? 
Paul's doing some damage control because there's this tension that has happened, and it's happened through gossip, and it's happened through slander. And Paul's just not turning a blind eye to it. He's just not sweeping it out of the rug. He's not pretending that like there's not a problem because that fixes nothing. Paul was more than willing to call it out. You know Paul. He'll name names in the letters that he writes if he needs to. So he's being clear. Look, I don't want to be a burden to you. I've never been a burden to you. I don't need your help. I'm here to help you. I've not taken advantage of you or tricked you or coerced you into doing something you didn't want to do. And I'm loving you, he says. I'm loving you, but I've got to be honest. It feels like your love is fading fast for me. And he's not saying these things just to defend himself. This is God using Paul to offer a course correction in the church of Corinth. To get them out of where is a very unhealthy, dangerous zone. To get them back into a land of health. He wants what is best for them. He wants strength for them. He wants growth for them. Because see, Paul is so for the church in Corinth. And Paul is so for the followers of Jesus in Corinth. And that means there's some course correcting needs to be done. That means there's going to be some correcting. There's going to be some rebuking along the way. But never to hurt them, never to harm them, only because he wants what is best for them, right? Now, here's the thing. You probably know Paul enough. You've maybe heard enough about Paul. You've read enough about Paul that you're thinking, Paul's probably not going to sugarcoat this one, is he? Paul's probably not really going to pull his punches. That's just not who his, who his personality is. And you would be right. So Paul goes on, and he says this, For I am afraid. I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. Okay, that's just direct, isn't it? I mean, some of you, like, you wilt underneath that kind of language. Some of us are like, yeah, you go, Paul, right? I mean, this is like type A personality. This is like a high D on the disc profile. I won't like what I find. And guess what? You won't like my response. Some of you, if you've ever been in my office and, and we're having some tougher conversations, I will honestly start out my conversations with these words. We are about to have a non-fun conversation, right? That is how I determine. We're about to have a non-fun conversation. There are some things we're going to be addressing. This isn't like all rainbows and butterflies. There's some things that we need to talk through. And Paul says, I'm not going to like what I'm going to find. You're not going to like my response. I am afraid. I'm afraid, second time, that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. We can learn so much from Scripture, can't we? Can't we learn so much? We're not to be enablers. We're not to just sweep stuff underneath the rug. We're not to let dysfunction reign supreme. Like Paul, we can call things out. And like Paul, we can offer course corrections. We can help 
people get back on track. Not to harm them or to hurt them or to belittle them. Because we want what is best for them. And we're willing to have the tough conversations. Because we want what is best for them. And man, do we want what is best for Christ's church. And gossip and slander are two things, man, that our enemy has so used to kill, steal, and destroy. Churches across our world. Relationships within our churches impact that the church can have on its community. Gossip and slander are two sins he loves to use for his benefit. Now, let's be honest. This is tough for some of us. For some of us, this whole like leaning in and offering a course correction, it's hard for some of us, isn't it? I mean, we don't want to be an enabler. We don't want to let somebody continue to walk in a, any sin, let alone the sin of slander or gossip. But we're like, but if I say something, they won't like me anymore. If I say something, if I call them out, they might go and gossip and slander about me. And you would be right. Those are valid concerns because both of those things will likely happen. Right? And so often, if we're just incredibly honest with ourselves, we are such people pleasers that we are so much more concerned about what somebody else thinks about us or says about us than we are about what Jesus has to say about us or what God views us and the way that we handle and work through life and sin. We're just people pleasers at the end of the day. And we justify and we rationalize gossip and slander. Whether we're the ones we're person A saying it or we're person C hearing and enabling it. Here's some gossip and slander myths that we tend to go through. But it's true. What I'm sharing is true. Then then it can't be gossip. Then it can't be slander. No, no, no. That's not accurate. That's a myth. You can go to somebody and share truthful information and you are still spot on gossiping and spot on slandering. Here's another myth. But I didn't mean to harm anybody. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I can understand how you might have saw that as gossip or how you might have thought that what I was doing was slandering. But it wasn't intentional. And since it wasn't intentional, don't I get a pass? No, you don't. No, I don't. We all cross those blurry lines at times. But just because we didn't mean to intentionally harm someone doesn't mean there still aren't consequences. Here's a third myth. I just want to let you know. You know, I, I don't want to gossip, but just, I just, I really want to let you know. Well, what's a great question to ask then? Well, why? Can you tell me why I need to know this information? Why you want to let me know? Usually that just stops somebody in their tracks. They need to thought, think through it. And they might try to justify or rationalize, but often they'll realize that, no, they've just crossed the line into gossip or slander. Here's one that can happen a lot. I don't want to gossip. I don't want to slander, but I believe that you can help. That's why I'm gossiping slander, because I believe that you can help. Well, you're like, well, 
if you really think that I'm a part of the solution, have you talked to person B about this? Have you said you're going to go and you're going to approach me and ask for my help in this situation? Instead, you're just person A coming to meet person C, and that just falls completely in gossip and slander. And here's my favorite one. But I would say it to their face. You call somebody out for gossip and slander. But yeah, you think it's gossip or slander. I would just say it to their face. And the best response is what? Here's my phone. Got my Alexio directory. Oh, look, here's Susie's cell phone number. I'm going to dial her right now and put this on speakerphone. I know it's not face-to-face, but it's pretty close. And if they're like, you know, like a deer in the headlights, like white as a ghost, right? They've just been trapped in gossip and slander. And just a side note, just because you would say something to someone's face doesn't mean you're not gossiping or that you're not slandering. And these are all myths that we fall into. These are all justifications or rationalizations that we have to either slander or to listen to somebody's gossip and slander. See, we're simply either enabling the sin or we're committing the sin. And either way, it's wrong. Either way, God's justice does not overlook it. And either way, it is such a perfect time to receive and to offer course corrections. And you understand that gossip and slander existed in the early church. You even all admitted that it still happens today. But what about before? What about before? What about before the early church? What about before Jesus was born and here on earth? What are some things we can find? Let me just give you two pieces from the Old Covenant, from the Old Testament. Proverbs 16 says, Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. I mean, think through the past year or two years. Just do a recent evaluation. How many relationships have been harmed because of gossip or because of slander? How much harm has been done by people's words? Just do an evaluation of the past year or two in in your life, in your world. How much harm has happened? Then we go to Psalm, and this is a Psalm of David, and he asks this great question, who? Right? God, could you just tell me who? who? Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? And then he answers it, those. Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. Those who speak the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors, or speak evil of their friends. So who? Who? Again and again, we see that God doesn't take gossip or slander lightly. He doesn't turn a blind eye. And isn't this how it so often happens in the church? And just not like the church today or the church 50 years ago. This is how it's happened in the church for thousands of years. Person A was really harmed. They were hurt. Leadership, pastors, like, didn't step up and meet them at their point of need. And they leave. And they have all these great intentions that they're going to talk to person B, right? They're going to talk to leadership. They're going to talk to the pastor. But it just never happens. But one day they're out and they see person C. And C is such a caring, loving, you know, person. 
The person A goes, hey, you know, uh, this is why I've not been around. This is what happened. And they sort of tell their story to person C. And person C has no right to hear the story, right? Person B is the person they should have been talking to. And person C says, oh, you're not alone. I've heard this story so many times. And then they go to share information that they should never be sharing. And it becomes this person A to person C cycle of just gossip and slander going back and forth and back and forth. Both of them are gossiping and both of them are enabling the gossip. Perhaps you've heard of triangulation before. You know, triangulation is often about conflict, but boy, aren't gossip and slander often a part of conflict? This is how it works, is what you've been hearing me say. Person A should be going to person B. Person A has information about person B, has a situation, has a conflict, has a concern about person B. That's what they should be doing. That's biblical. That's healthy, right? But for one reason or another, they never do it. So what do they do? They go to person C. They, they go to person C. And C listens, and we all of a sudden we get this dysfunction, we get this sin of gossip and slander that can go back and forth. And you're asking the question, well, how do I know, Doc? How, how do I know if I've fallen into the sin of gossip or slander and Most of you um, are going to regret asking that question, right? It's a great question, but we're going to regret asking it. Because it's pretty clear, when you're person A, you know it. It's easier to see in others, but when person A has went to person C, as opposed to going directly to person B, that's it. Gossip and slander is happening. That's the easy part of the conversation. Who else has a gossip and slander problem in here? Person C. They're the enabler. They have a very real gossip problem. They have a very real slander problem, don't they? There's always time for course corrections. There's always room for course corrections. If you're person C and you, you never put it to a stop, you never try to end it, you're just enabling it, you're just as guilty of gossip and slander as person A. And that's tough, right? I don't like to hear that, let alone say it, but that is the reality that we face. The way I say it is you never want to reward dysfunction. If you're person C and person A comes to you, You never want to reward dysfunction. For all of you that are poor person B, you find out from person C that person A's talk to them, you never want to reward dysfunction. You don't want to hear it. You bring it to a stop. If anything, you put the pressure back on person C, right? If they really have an issue with me, if they really want to talk, I would love to talk with them directly. That's healthy. You put it back where the problem is. We never reward dysfunction. Proverbs 26 says it like this. Proverbs 26 says, fire goes out without wood. Duh, right? Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. What does that mean? Person C, 
You can't enable anymore. Person C, you bring it to an end. Person C, you call them out. You could do this. Make a list of all the sins that you would never enable. You'd never enable, what, murder? You'd never enable a a friend or a loved one to go and commit adultery against their spouse. You'd never enable someone to go and steal, right? You have this pretty good list of things you would never enable. Then why? Then why? then why would you ever enable someone to gossip or to slander? God does not see sins all differently at different levels. God's justice cannot turn a blind eye. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He says, If there were no gratified hearers of ill reports, there would be an end of the trade of spreading them. If you want to respond to today's message, on your connection card, whether you're online or in person, two things for you that go like this. They're, they're both incredibly critical to stopping this. One is this, before I share information, I want to pause to make sure it's not gossip or slander. I want to ask myself, why am I sharing this? What's the purpose? Have I talked to person B about this? Do I have their permission to share, or am I just going directly to C? And then here's the tougher one for many of us. When gossip and slander come my way, I want to do my part to bring it to the light. I want to call it out. I want to ask those clarifying questions. I want to bring it to a stop. Man, when you can start doing both of these things, this is a huge step in spiritual growth for so many of us. This is a part of the discipleship process. This is Jesus being formed in us. And when we ignore it, it stunts our spiritual growth. Let's pray. Father, we we confess that this is a a line that is so easy to cross. It is so easy to share information, and and it's not with the right reasons. It's not with permission, and we slide into gossip or slander, and so we just ask for your forgiveness. We repent of that sin. We ask that you would put people in our lives who would call it out, that you'd offer that course correction of forgiveness and grace and strength and growth. And I pray for us here that we're often in the position of person C. And that's such an incredibly unhealthy place to be. We don't want to be people where others feel comfortable coming to us to share their gossip and to share their slander. So help us to bring it to an end. Help us to remove the wood from the fire. Help us to gracefully point people back to Jesus, to call them out and to offer the course correction, to to leave those sins of gossip and slander behind. And Holy Spirit, as you do this work in all of us, as hard as what it might be, we trust that you are growing us, you are maturing us, you are developing us. Sons and daughters after your own heart. May Jesus be formed in us. We pray this in his most holy and precious name. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 
Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org. Thank you.